Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today, we are talking about how to measure freedom from porn, or more accurately, how not to measure freedom from porn. One of my biggest frustrations with the porn recovery movement and with most so-called purity groups that I've seen is this obsession with measuring surface level sexual symptoms of behavior. Did you masturbate this week? If so, how much? Did you watch porn? This so often becomes self-righteous or shaming, depending on how you did that week. You feel good about yourself? Maybe that gives you permission to act out more. Or do you feel horrible about yourself? And then you feel like there's no point. Measuring freedom can become overemphasized, and yet it's also really important. If you have been on this journey to freedom from porn for a while, I'm sure you've asked yourself this question. How am I doing? Or even more pointedly, how do I know how I'm doing? It's not always obvious, is it? Or if this is a really early stage for you on your journey to freedom, you might be wondering, as I go forward, how can I celebrate my progress? How can I evaluate where I need to grow? This is a really important question. And so tonight, I am going to give you my best wisdom on this topic after thinking about it, praying about it, talking about it for so many years. I've developed a meaningful way to measure freedom from porn without pride and without shame. Most people measure freedom from porn in terms of time. Maybe you reached seven days of freedom, 30 days of freedom, maybe even a year of freedom. Here's the problem with that. Time is measurable, but it's not always meaningful. Your length of time without porn is easy to measure. And so we hold on to that, but it's not always meaningful. Here's an example of what I mean. You could have a great streak of sobriety, of distance from porn, and yet still feel like you are enslaved, still not feeling free. I had a client and student who told me that he once went a year and a half without internet access at his house. And for that year and a half, he was free from porn, but he didn't feel free. And when he got internet again, guess what? All of those tactical strategies and all of that abstinence, it didn't mean a thing. I had another guy tell me that he is so-called free from porn because of covenant eyes. This was an individual who actually literally didn't know how to get around the filters and the restrictions on his computer. So he described himself as free from porn for a length of time. And yet that length of time was not meaningful. And once inevitably his 
system began to not work so well, he found out that, yeah, he really wasn't free at all the whole time. Maybe you have a pattern where you sexually act out once a month and you feel great for the whole month, but once a month, you're completely powerless and helpless. Are you really free? Maybe you can have a great streak, but the actual feeling of freedom is not there. His circumstances changed, but did his heart change? And that's one of the reasons why time is not always meaningful because it could just be a reflection of your circumstances more than your character development and your heart. False freedom is really common. And that's why in my groups that I lead, and even in Husband Material Academy, you will rarely, if ever, hear me ask someone about their current sexual sobriety or their specific acting out behavior, because I'm not interested in that. I want to go deeper because time is measurable, but it's not always meaningful because time without porn is easy to measure, but it's not always meaningful. I want to give you the other big example that I see maybe even more commonly. Oftentimes, people feel like they're getting more freedom and they're experiencing breakthroughs and healing, but they're still struggling with the same old sexual behaviors. And I saw a big wave of this when COVID-19 spread across the world. When that happened in spring of 2020, I had a lot more men reaching out for help. Why? Because they realized that they were not as free as they thought they were. Maybe they had some shallow surface level sobriety. And those who had been doing a lot of work found themselves feeling like they're back at the beginning. And maybe some of you are feeling that way right now, as if you have made progress and you have come a long way, but this little voice inside says, have you really healed at all? Or have you just been fooling yourself this whole time? Especially for guys who are beginning to identify stories of harm and abuse that they've suffered. You might have experienced a ton of freedom, but now you're uncovering even more hurt and pain. It would make sense that setbacks would be a part of that story because now you have so much more that is coming up that needs to be healed. So if you're discovering sexual abuse in your story and you're frustrated thinking, I have had freedom and healing, but my sobriety is just not showing it. Think about it this way. I was recently on a hike here in Santa Barbara on Gibraltar Road in the middle of this season out here on the California coast called May Gray and June Gloom. So I got up there to this beautiful location with an amazing view and all I could see was fog. All I could see was the marine layer. All I could see was gray and gloom. I knew there was an amazing view, 
But all of these clouds were obstructing that view. And sometimes, some of you guys are much more free than you think. But stuff happens in life. COVID-19 comes up. Seeing parts of your story that you never saw before come up. And you can find yourself feeling like you're right back at the beginning. Like there is no view. Have I really made any progress? Some of you guys are less free than you think. And some of you are more free than you think. In any case, what I'm seeing in the comments right now is a voice of shame that is really loud. What does shame say to you? When you are making progress, you're on the journey, you're on the road, and you face really challenging circumstances, or you experience a season of relapse or setbacks, what does shame say to you? That I'll never be free and I'm not worth being free. You are just fooling everyone you cannot change. Tells me nobody cares if I'm around. Why are you still doing this? I am unwanted because I am dirty, defiled, gross. You'll never find sobriety from porn and masturbation. You are unqualified to help others and a hypocrite because of that. You can't win. You will always be trapped. My wife doesn't desire me and I won't be enough. Failure is inevitable. You'll never be free. You can't get past the next level. Might as well go back to old habits. You won't be able to resist. You aren't strong enough. You must not really want to be free. Oof. Your church won't love you anymore. God is going to punish you. You'll never be free. You will fail again eventually. <laughs> Even though recovery from pornography is still seeing progress, struggles will manifest in other ways. And there is some truth to these comments, and yet the tone is so full of contempt. My little girl has a loser of a dad. Shame says, this is just who you are. I'm too broken. I'm too sick. Better man would have been able to fill in the blank. You don't have what it takes, your heart is never going to be changed. This is the voice of shame. And whenever we're talking about how to measure our freedom, these voices of fear and shame will be with us. So I want to give you a different way, a better way, a way of measuring your freedom that doesn't validate the identity that fear and shame would have us hold. I want to give you a way to measure freedom that allows you to center yourself on the fact that you are God's beloved son and in you, he is well-pleased and no setbacks, no circumstances can invalidate his work in your life. They can't undo it. No matter how hard the enemy tries, there's nothing he can do to somehow corrupt what God has already done in your life. He's done it. It's there. And one day he's going to finish that work, whether you like it or not. He has freed us from the penalty of sin. He is freeing us from the power of sin. And one day he will free us from the very presence of sin. So let's talk about this way that I want to propose to you a system of measurement for freedom from porn that is measurable and meaningful. And if you stay to the end of this episode, you will hear the number one most helpful measurement tool that I use with my individual clients. You ready? Those of you who have been 
watching or listening to husband material for a while might remember an episode I did called the four levels of freedom from porn. And I find those four levels to be very helpful. So I'm going to do a quick review of those four for you here. The four levels of freedom from porn are misery, motivation, maturity, and mastery. Misery means you are stuck in the shame cycle. Motivation means you are actively ready to take a redemptive risk if you can trust that path forward. Maturity means you're growing up. You are on the journey to becoming an adult in this area of your life. And that's really exciting. And mastery means you're free from the behavior and free from the battle. So now we're going to talk about what it means to become a sexual adult. Like, how do you measure that, right? Because heart change and brain transformation, that is much more meaningful than your length of time without porn. And yet, because it's internal, it's harder to measure. So let me tell you how I measure it. The things that I want to keep track of more than my sexual acting out behavior or more than how often I feel triggered. I want to focus on that. What do we want to focus on? What are the metrics that can really help us? In my opinion, it is most helpful to look at stages of sexual development. I searched far and wide to try to find out, okay, if there are stages of psychological development and people have even mapped out stages of spiritual development and physical development in the human body, what are the stages of sexual development? And this is really what I mean when I talk about outgrowing porn is advancing to those stages of development until you have mature adult sexuality. It took me a long time to find it, but I found it. Check this out. It is an old DVD from Clifford and Joyce Penner to amazing Christian sex therapists, not sex addiction therapists, sex therapists. And it is on sexual development. If anybody else finds material out there on sexual development, please send it to me. I'm extremely interested in this topic. I'm going to be publishing on this topic in the next couple of years because I think this is the critical thing. The problem with porn is that part of me is still immature. Part of me still feels like a six-year-old boy. Part of me still feels like a 12-year-old kid stuck in an earlier stage of development. So what are those stages? According to the Penners, there are distinct stages. Each one has a skill to master. And if you can master this skill, then you move forward to the next stage of development. As an infant, the stage of sexual development requires you to learn the skill of secure attachment, of just connecting with another human being, namely your primary caregiver. And this is a developmental task which depends almost entirely on somebody other than us, which is really difficult and sad to think about. That our ability to connect with other human beings, to feel attached, to feel safe in a relationship was completely out of our control. That some of the most formative years of our lives happened before we could remember them. This is foundational. 
to all sexuality. Sexuality is our engine for intimacy. And that intimacy has to be learned. And it's most important at that first stage, those first few months and years of life. My son is six months old. And every time I see him, I am working on this secure attachment. I am making eye contact with him. I'm smiling toward him. I'm touching him in healthy ways. And this is another stage. This is the toddler stage, according to the Penners, is safe touch to learn how to connect physically. I mean, this is part of infancy too, in a way that protects you and is pleasurable, like a hug, like a kiss on the cheek. You see guys, sexual development does not begin at puberty. It begins at birth. Some have even argued that it begins before birth in the womb. We are already becoming the men that we will be from such young ages. So that very most foundational stage is attachment and then safe touch. And also together with that, talk, talking about sex, talking about sexuality. And when you're a little, little kid, that means learning the names of the body parts and what they do and how they work. And in many of our homes, we did not get that. Sex was not something that was talked about at all. And when it was brought up, it was suppressed. This severely inhibits sexual development and ultimately our maturity in this area of our lives. If we can never talk about it, if we can never talk about it, how are we supposed to grow? How are we supposed to develop? How are we supposed to become strong? How are we supposed to connect? How are we supposed to not totally shame ourselves in this area of life? You know what happens when we don't talk about it? It becomes a forbidden, magicalized phenomenon. And we feel like we're missing out on something because it's so mixed with pleasure and shame. And that's a recipe. That's a recipe for struggling with pornography, for sexuality to be loaded with shame and silence, and then to discover pleasure mixed with that. Pornography gives us both. And that's part of why it's so powerful. The next stage, according to the Penners, is preschool. And in this stage, generally, what's most important is allowing curiosity to emerge. Sexual curiosity, allowing them to ask questions, to explore, to learn. Did you have a place to do this when you were a kid? Do you have a place to do this now? This is so huge. And unfortunately, curiosity is often seen as a bad thing. In reality, it's one of the sexual and emotional skills we need to develop because curiosity excludes judgment. That's one of the awesome things about curiosity is that you can't be curious while still holding a judgment. If you have a judgment, you're certain. You're, you are in certainty, my friend. We need to enter curiosity. And kids are so good at this. If we give them space, if we allow them to become the sponges of learning, even about sexuality, that they are. And even as adults, if you never learned how to be curious, this is a huge part of what I teach, of what I'm still learning. 
And this is the most helpful way to respond to any kind of relapse is with curiosity, without judgment. It's a skill we need to develop. It's a muscle we need to grow in. When we reach the stage of grade school, it's really important now that, let's say you've gone through the other stages of being able to connect with another person, talk about sex a little bit, experience safe and healthy touch rather than abusive touch or the total neglect of touch, be able to ask questions, become curious. The two tasks of grade school are blessing my sexuality, blessing my body, and having boundaries so that I can also be a blessing to others. Blessing it because it's good. As you learn about sexuality, you can worship God because of it. As you learn about your body, as you learn about your desires, you can begin to bless them. And it's really important to have boundaries both for what others can do to me and what I do to others. And boundaries are really tough. You know, I'm already teaching my daughter boundaries. There's this song that Rodney Wright told me. It's the Pantasaurus song. Okay, here's the song. What's in your pants belongs only to you. Your pants cover up your private parts. Your private parts belong only to you. If someone asks to see, just tell them no. Pants, pants, pantasaurus, pants, pants, pantasaurus. So this is a great song teaching my daughter boundaries. That's really important. Did anyone ever teach you this? Sexual boundaries? Emotional boundaries? No? Then it's an area for maturing. It's a place where we get to grow. Guys, it's never too late to re-engage with sexual development. So blessing and boundaries. When we get into the preteen stage, that's when puberty starts to hit. The most important developmental task is accepting difficult emotions and accepting sexual feelings, just allowing them to exist. I can't think of anything more important to maintaining freedom from porn than being able to accept and process our emotions and our specific sexual feelings and impulses as they come up. Right. But if no one's talking about them and if you don't have healthy touch, if you don't have this foundation of curiosity and asking questions and blessing and boundaries, then how are you supposed to accept your feelings when they come up? You're set up to struggle. Usually when our feelings come up, we either avoid them, we ignore them, or we attack them. We come against ourselves and we shame ourselves. And we should all over ourselves. That is a totally normal thing for a preteen to be struggling with. And to work through with a trusted adult. The teenage stage of sexuality involves experimentation. And that might sound risky and bad. But the point is stepping out and trying something within reason. Maybe it means asking someone out to coffee, or maybe it means holding someone's hand, just initiating or receiving. The point is allowing yourself to engage 
in a relationship or in discovering yourself. That's a really important part of this whole thing of being able to accept your feelings and then manage them as you try to connect with someone else sexually. And that sexually does not need to include intercourse. It could be hugging. It could be spending quality time together. It could be kissing. This is something that I never did when I was a teenager and my sexual development got stunted right at the preteen stage. I mean, I definitely have a lot to work on from the other stages too, but that is one where I stayed stuck for so long, was so afraid and so ashamed that I never took any risks sexually as a teenager. Actually, I did and I got rejected and even more afraid and ashamed. So that developmental stage got stunted for me. The last stage that I want to talk about today is the adult stage. The penners go all the way into old age sexuality. We're not going to go there today. But what does it mean to be a sexual adult? It means being able to maturely manage this part of your life. To manage it. To manage the feelings. To be able to talk about it. To connect with others. To withhold judgment, have curiosity, to bless your sexuality, and have boundaries. This is so redemptive for me. To me, it's so founded on the goodness of this great thing that God created when he gave us this divine engine for intimacy called sexuality. Now, what if we started measuring our freedom from porn, not by what we are avoiding, not by what we are attacking, but by what we are pursuing in these developmental skills. What if we started measuring skills? Because you know what? You can measure this stuff. Skills are measurable and meaningful. So what would happen if we stopped focusing so much on what we're not doing? And what if we focused more on measuring our sexual and emotional skill development? moving through these stages. We would ask questions like, for that infant stage of attachment, who feels truly deeply connected to me in my life? Who do I feel like I can be myself with this person? And if I don't have those people, then how can I pursue that? How can I get into a healthy friendship? a supportive relationship. That's so important. That is huge. How can I find a community where I feel that kind of connection? We would ask questions like, where am I receiving or not receiving safe human touch? Where does touch feel intrusive? Where does it feel totally absent? Even sports can become a healthy form of physical contact and human touch. Even hugs, the simplicity of hugs, that were often lost in COVID-19. Even a handshake can be huge. Another question, let's think about that developmental skill of talking about it, okay? Where can you tell your story? Where can you really tell your real story? Where can you talk about sexuality without fear of judgment? And that gets into the stage of curiosity. Do Do you have an attitude of curiosity or contempt? Can you find people who have that attitude of curiosity rather than contempt? 
Can you connect? Can you talk? This, this is the kind of thing that if we focus on it, it will lead to such rich, redemptive outcomes. Here's another question based on that grade school stage. How am I blessing my body and my sexuality? And what healthy boundaries do I need to have in my life? Emotionally, with other people, or sexually. For that preteen stage, accepting feelings. When emotional or sexual triggers come up, what do I do? What do I do with them? Where can I go? And finally, I think for that really wonderful and kind of scary stage of experimentation, what are you pursuing? What are you taking the risk to pursue? And who are you becoming? We can measure this stuff, guys. We can identify the skills that we need to be mature men of God and focus on those and measure those. And that's what I did after getting so fed up with measuring my masturbation. You know what I measured instead? Phone calls. I measured how many times per week I'm calling one of my close allies. That was so much more helpful for me. And I began to see more results in my behavior as a result. And when that dwindled, I could see the effects. Sometimes when I track my clients' phone calls or their self-care, I can predict when a relapse has occurred because I can see it in the stats because they stopped their skill development because something happened, something came up. And you know what? That happens. COVID-19 happened. Huge interruption. Interrupted our connection. Interrupted our safe touch. Interrupted all of the support systems that we might have in place in person. And in the middle of that, we need these skills. We need these experiences more than ever. So what can you measure? I'm asking you, how do you measure your maturity? Here are some of the things that I came up with. You can measure calls. You can measure group meetings. How many times did you meet with a group? How many times did you meet with your coach? Physical exercise is one that I really need to measure for myself that keeps me in a really good place. Morning rituals, journaling. And for someone who's maybe taking a risk and coming out of a place of futility and despair uh, in his career, measuring job applications because those job applications represent a redemptive risk, an experiment, an adventure with God pursuing the life that he's created for. So the question is open. How do you measure maturity, your maturity? Hmm. Will has a great comment. We can maturely manage our sexuality and not let it manage us. Amen. That's the goal. Yeah, Ron is saying the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection from Johan Hari. That's actually a great video that comes from, and it is a great quote. So what if we started measuring our connection? Wouldn't that be more helpful? in our journey to freedom from porn. I saw someone sent me a quote the other day that said, we as humans are wired for connection 
those who suffer post-traumatic stress disorder are wired for protection. I think that applies to a lot of us. If we didn't get that connection, then we are wired for protection. And porn functions as that, that protection, that pacifier, and yet also a predator. So let's see what other people are saying. Making calls, going to group therapy, connecting with my family and friends, my willingness to be transparent with myself and others, how many podcasts I listen to instead of negative entertainment sources. Great idea. Level of being transparent with my wife. That's a good one. I can measure maturity with how I examine my unwanted sexual behavior with curiosity and kindness versus shame. Wow. That is awesome because even the way that we respond to a relapse can reflect a greater level of freedom. Am I responding to it in misery or am I responding to it in maturity? I think maturity really can include a certain amount of sexual acting out as long as you are still going in the direction of adulthood. Nick says that he likes to measure how he is seeking out people's hearts and having people in his life seek out his heart. Wow, that is so beautiful. Mike says that he measures his maturity anytime he successfully feels his feelings. Awesome. Jason says, am I thriving or isolating? Great metric. Allowing others and myself to courageously see each other's tears Joyful ones and sad ones both feel super vulnerable. Amen. (laughs) Oh, what a beautiful measurement. Healing tears. Now, I don't want to shame anybody who's not experiencing the healing power and the release that comes with tears. But I treasure tears. And it's so amazing to be on some of the coaching calls with you guys when the healing tears are flowing. Wow. And to have those moments myself. It's such a beautiful indicator that I'm allowing myself to feel the heights and the depths advancing in development in my humanity. It's so sacred. I treasure those moments with you guys when there are tears. <laughs> I even cried on a podcast recently. The last two podcasts with Marcus and with Wendell, tears flowed. It's so beautiful, right? It's healing. That is the kind of freedom that I care about. Changing our brains, healing our hearts, and saving our relationships. Outgrowing porn. That's why we're here. Here is what I personally keep track of in my own continuing development. I do keep track of my years of freedom just as a point of celebration, not condemnation. And if that number changed, wouldn't change who I am. And it wouldn't change my maturity. Yeah, I'd be, I'd have questions about my mastery for sure. Obviously something would be coming up that I haven't addressed that's really significant, but I do keep track of years of freedom. That doesn't feel constricting to me or shaming. I keep track of contact with people, namely those who I really trust. 
I keep track of the rhythm of my morning ritual and the discipline of running, which is so good for me, and the depth of my vulnerability with other people. You guys might not know this unless you're in a private group with me. In my groups, every time for the last three groups, I am sharing things that I have never told another person before. Seriously, I'm still finding things that I've never told someone before. And in this last group, I said something that I've never told someone while looking them in the eyes. So I measure the depth of my vulnerability a little bit more every time, a little bit more every time I tell my story, a little bit more with each new group. And it is so incredible to have the deep assurance of the love of other men and how much more of God's love. If these sinful, broken, suffering humans can love me this way, how much more will my heavenly father love me? And this is what happens when we begin to measure the skills and the character traits of maturity rather than simple superficial numbers. We go deeper, we get more free. And as promised, I would like to share my number one most helpful measurement, which I give to my individual clients before each of our meetings. I used to ask them, how would you rate your sexual struggles this week <laughs> on a scale of one to 10? And I got so dissatisfied with that. Instead, now I ask them, how would you rate your momentum this week? Your momentum towards the life that you want. Your momentum towards maturity, towards healing, towards being the person you were created to be. Whatever that looks like. How would you rate your momentum towards connecting with other people? Talking about sexuality, having healthy, safe touch, curiosity without judgment, blessing your body, having boundaries, accepting emotions, taking risks that are redemptive and adventurous, and maturely managing your sexuality. Doesn't that sound like something worth measuring? So my number one most helpful measurement is momentum. If you're gaining momentum, then you are on the path to lasting freedom. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. So much of our measurements are shame-based. We define ourselves as success or failure based on our sexual behavior. Let's instead think about what's my direction? What's my momentum? Let's talk about some of the questions people have been asking. Question number one, is it best to measure days of abstinence? I would contend that it's really only helpful for the purpose of celebration, not for condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus period. Let's measure that 
while taking to account that the length of time without porn is not always meaningful. It could be a big number with very low level maturity, or you could have a lot of maturity and came up against challenges that were greater than your level of maturity, like a global pandemic or discovering sexual abuse in your past. And that doesn't invalidate the freedom and healing that you have gained. Nick asks, the church culture that I'm in believes that if you don't have mastery, then you shouldn't be in ministry. Would you say this is true or that one can pursue ministry even in the maturity stage? When it comes to ministry, there are many levels, just like freedom from porn. Can you be a small group leader if you're still struggling? I think absolutely. When it comes to being like the senior pastor of a church, I believe high level of maturity is really important, if not mastery. With greater responsibility in ministry, I think you have to have a greater level of freedom to be trusted. And it's okay to not be a master and get started in ministry. That's my story. I was leading a ministry of 200 people um, at the time of my final and most significant season of relapse. God taught me so much during that season and ultimately led me to that breakthrough in 2015. So I think you can begin to pursue smaller ministry roles. And as you grow in your freedom and healing, you can also take on more responsibility. Jordy says, a good friend reminded me that I often may head down the same road, but I'm not striking the same boulders and landing in the same ruts as I did before. Glorious. And I love viewing it as a road rather than a cliff. (laughs) Recovery is not rock climbing. And if you let go, you fall back to the bottom. If it is, just know that you have a belay and your belay is Jesus Christ and he's never going to let you go. What do I think about goal setting for the levels? In my opinion, these developmental stages are invitations for how we can go even deeper and grow even stronger and become even healthier until, as my friend Marcus Spar says, we become the best version of ourselves this side of heaven. Jesus has freed us already from the penalty of sin. He is freeing us continuously in this life from the power of sin as we mature and become more like him. And one day he will deliver us and free us from the very presence of sin. And in that day, it will be impossible to sin. Isn't that awesome? I would love to to hear uh, just in the last few minutes, what, uh, what did you learn the most from tonight about how to measure freedom from porn? AG says, I learned meaningful is better than measurable. Great motto. That's awesome. Ron says, I appreciated going through the stages of sexual development. Me too, man. I'm so grateful for the penners. I'm so grateful for this language and I hope to make it more widely accepted in the future. Jordy says, am I wired for connection or for protection? Very helpful. That's really great because you can't have both. You can't have both. If you choose to risk connection, you could get hurt. 
And if you choose protection, you prevent connection. Dan says, I learned that experimentation is a part of these stages of sexual development. When I was a teen, I was afraid to even be alone with a girl. What an extreme. That's so well said. Experimentation is a part of this. You try new things, you see what works, and you see what doesn't. That's something I often tell my clients. Do what works. Jason says, progress, not perfection. Compassion, sweet. And by the way, I hope to see you at my upcoming free live class, How to Outgrow Porn on June 1st, June 2nd, and June 3rd. You have three options to choose from. Give me two hours to change your life and show you what it looks like to achieve mastery, to get to a place where you are not only free from the behavior of using pornography, you're free from the battle that is so frustrating and so exhausting. I will be teaching the best, most powerful content I've ever created and officially launching Husband Material Academy. We did a test launch in the fall, which has been absolutely phenomenal. And now I'm launching it for real. I hope you will join me at outgrowporn.com. And always remember, you are God's beloved son. In you, he is well pleased. Mm -hmm.